0: So we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 through 7. If you'll stand with me, we'll read and we'll dive in.
1: I entreat Judea and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.
0: Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. As we
1: we dive in and just um
0: just starting on looking at verses four two to three, he inside he said, "I entreat Judia and I entreat um who, what is it? Sin Somebody said it properly before, and but um anyhow, right? So there's these two sisters, right? And he's entreating both of them to agree in the Lord." He says, yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women. He's writing this letter to, 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 to the whole church, but you get to this point in time inside the letter where he specifically and openly calls out these, these, these two members of the, of, of the church. He specifically and calls out these, these two people that are having a beef with one another, that they're, they're having um, a falling, falling out, it's got to them. His, the word's gotten to him and he he calls them out by name, right? And I think the first reason why he calls them out by my name like this is because reconciliation requires individual accountability, right? A lot of times we can look at what that other person did and we're waiting for that other person to do this or those group of people, I wish they would have done that. But Paul is writing this letter out and he calls them out specifically by name regarding the disagreement that they've been having, and and he calls them out. Now, here's what he says about it. He tells them, agree together, right? Now, when he says agree together, he's very specific. He says, in the Lord, right? He calls them to agree together. He says, in the Lord. Now, this is in the Lord. This is reminiscent of Philippians 2 and 2 when we was walking through that. And it says, He's talking to them. He was talking to them about about all the the wonderful things that they've been doing and the work that they've been doing with God and how it it had made them joyful. And then in 2 and 2, he says, now, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So when he's calling them to agree with one another, it's in this vein. It's in this, this context, right? Now, He calls them out, but what I want to do is is point out even the context to how he calls them specifically and individually out. He does it in a letter that's addressed to the whole community, right? Like, he could have easily been like, all right, listen, I'm going to send a letter to the community, And I'm going to send a specific letter just to them, but instead, he includes it in this letter to everybody, right? Includes a specific calling for them to agree to one another in this letter to everybody, and it's framed by by him starting the letter off by talking about how thankful he is for their co-laboring in the gospel, for them walking in through, through all the murky mess and living it out. And, and then he, he makes this ask. He makes this ask to, to someone that he refers to as a true companion, right? Now, the word companion it, it means co-laborer or, or or fellow yokesman in the gospel, right? Now he could have been talking to Epaphroditus, who's carrying the letter back to them, right? Um, but he's also already described the church in general, as this, right? This is why he had so much joy for them because they was partnering with him in, 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 the, in the thick of it, right? And so he's already described them as, as fellow yokesmen, as, as, as co-laborers. So whether he's talking specifically to Epaphroditus or whether he's talking to the church in general, it applies to all it applies to. He's talking to the church and he tells, he tells them, help these women. He tells them, help these women. And the reason why is because reconciliation is a family affair. Reconciliation is a family affair. These two can't have a beef off in a corner and we're like, yo, that's just about their business. It's like, no, 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 we all family here, and it affects everybody. The, 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 the pain hurts everybody. We're all drawn into this, right? You're not in a, in, a, in a silo off by yourself. We're all inside of this together. If you hurt, we hurt, right? So reconciliation is a family affair. So, yeah, he's calling them out individually, but he includes everybody else inside of it, right? Right? He holds them individually, but he calls the church community to participate in this reconciliation by, by, by continue to point them to Jesus. Not just continue to point them to Jesus, but join together in agreeing with them in the Lord. Live into this thing together. It's something about going through it together. And, and he makes this call about them that's about them you feel what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, and, and thinking about that, it makes me think of how opposite that is of yeah, our world, yeah, yeah. right? Like everybody is, oh, toxic friendship, you're out. Negative, you're out. It's like we don't want these difficult relationships, but here he's calling us into that. No, help them, you know, be a part of that. This is for our sanctification. This is the kingdom upside down, right? It flips everything on its head like that's the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to talk about true companion, right? He talked about um, companion. So companion is like somebody's accompanying you, right? Um, oh, wait, first of all, <laughs> do you guys know Jackie Hill Perry? Because I love her. Named my daughter's middle name after her. Little side note. Uh, <laughs> but she has this saying that she always says, like, hey, saints and ain'ts. Like, it just says it all, right? Like. This is the true companion or just the companion, right? The one that shows up on Sunday and volunteers her stuff, like maybe they'll come hang out sometimes, but he's talking about the true companion, the one in all areas of their life, right? This is the one that leaves the taste of Jesus in your mouth, right? This is the one that's shining in that dark place and displaying and proclaiming the gospel. That is the true companion that he's talking about. And, and when I was reading this, I was like, two names just, like, screamed out to me. Like, I just kept thinking, like, man, this has to be, like, some crazy level of trust that Paul has for his true companion, right? And, it, and, and I don't think he's talking about, like, your bestie that rolls with you out, like, to the club, right? Like, he's talking about the person that goes with you into the gospel that you can depend on, right? Um, so I don't know if you guys know Lynn... But if you don't know, now you know, go introduce yourself, do yourself a favor, right? She's amazing. Um, when I first met her, she was like trying to be my friend, and I had like no girlfriends, right? Like I don't like I didn't like girls, and I was like, I'll chop it up with the dude any day, but the girl, like, nah. But she kept pressing in and pursuing me with love, right? <laughs> Typical Lynn, if you guys know her. And um, I remember like, all right, cool, yeah, let's do this. Like, you guys you wanna go hang out, you wanna have some fun, let's do this, let's do that, and she's like, no, like, I just want to know you, I want to spend time with you, and I was just like, ooh, like, one, I felt like a little rejected, like, oh, you don't want to kick it with me, okay, and then two, I was like, all getting all teary-eyed, you know, like, dang, she wants to know me, like, oh my gosh, like, somebody loves me enough to know me, like, shh. So from that on, that, like, catapulted all my friendships from then on. Like, she totally laid that out for me. Like, I love her. Um, and then it reminds me of my homegirl, Jeanette, who has recently been clean, just hit two years sober. And I feel like that was all for me, right? <laughs> the Lord just blessed me in that because I had been praying. This is why. And, and for a woman that would be a true companion in the gospel. And the Lord brought her And this is somebody that, like, we can call day or night, Uh, let's pray for this person. Middle of the night, let's go get up. Your husband's watching kids. We're going to go pray for somebody. Uh, I need to fast over this. I'm going to fast on behalf of this person. Let's do it. What time are you fasting till? What time are you ending? You know what I mean? Like, let's get it in for the Lord. Like, we just, it's just that person that's trekking with you in the gospel, and you know they got your back in all things Jesus. Um. Which goes to the next verse, right? Why, like, he's talking about laboring, co laboring side by side together in the gospel. Why would he even like frame it that way? Like, why didn't he just say, like, doing gospel work or doing what you're supposed to be doing, right? But it's like, I think the laboring paints the picture of everything else he was saying in Philippians about um, sharing. In your sufferings, yeah. um, not only believing, but to suffer for His sake, like there's a, a hard work about laboring, mm. and so when you mention that and you're in a disagreement with somebody, like that's gonna take your eyes off whatever, whoever, and whatever, and and be on the Lord, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. now, all of a sudden, I'm remembering the mission. Now, all of a sudden, I'm remembering when we slept on that wooden boat and got bit up by mosquitoes. Like, I don't know what they went through, you know? like <laughs> Were they hated when they walked into a town, you know? Right, like, right, right, together. Right. Like, now all of a sudden, like, my my how I see this person is changing. And mm-hmm. I'm remembering that we're co-labors together. Like, it ain't about me. It's about Jesus. It's about mm-hmm. his mission. And then he doesn't just, like, stop there. Like, he continues on to the names that are written in the Book of Life. So he names the girls, right, Clement, all the other workers. Like, there's a lot of people Mm. that are co-laboring with him and are written in the book of life. And when we remember that we are family eternally, forever, all of a sudden that changes the game, right? Like, now it's not just about this little small disagreement that we don't agree on. Like, now it's like, dang, I'm going to be spending forever with this person, so, like, maybe I should make peace that up. You know what I mean? Like maybe I should depend on the Lord and let him work in me to create peace in this relationship. It's that important that that person has the same promises that I do, the same rewards that I do, the same hope that I do, and they're going to spend forever with Jesus just like me. And when we see things from that eternal lens, it jolts our perspective, right? It reminds us who they are to us and not just how we feel about them. The eternal family. And I had to put this quote in here by Matt Chandler because it's so good. It's like, God's call on your life is to faithfully work where you are doing the work of reconciliation and being an ambassador of Christ. The eternal weight behind everything we do is crazy significant. Like the co-laboring they're doing, the mission they're on together, agreeing in the Lord, All of that has eternal consequences.
0: It's crazy because as he's talking to them and he's painting this picture, he's pointing them to these eternal reality. He's not not just dismissing the tension that they have, right? He's not like, oh, y'all got beef together. I forget it. Just agree, right? That's not what's happening here. But rather in in verses 4 through 7, we see him pastoring them as he's pastoring the entire community regarding how to live united in the midst of the tension, right? Because we're going to fall out. We're going to have issues and, and, and things are, are, are going to, to hurt because we're fallen people, right? So it's going to happen, right? It, but, but what does it look like when, when minor disagreements don't compromise the unity of the spirit, right? What does it look like when, when disagreement agreements rooted in temporal realities don't compromise a unity and agreement that's rooted in an eternal reality. Just like what Melissa was talking about, this is eternal fairmare, right? And, and 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 what does it look like that that these disagreements that's rooted in things that will pass away does not compromise this agreement that's rooted in eternity, right? There's so many applications to it, so many implications. It speaks to, 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 to personal relationships, you and your homegirl, your homeboy and stuff. It's, it speaks to, to theological differences between entire camps and denominations. It speaks to, to marriages. It speaks to political dif- disagreements between, oh, man, I can't stand that party, and you're a part of that party, so I can't stand you, even though you guys are eternally united in Jesus. It speaks to cultural tensions that the enemy would use to separate us so he's not dismissing the fact that the tensions are there he's talking about what does it look like to live together be rooted together even though there are these things that hurt and then he spends verses four through seven describing what that looks like right
1: yeah yeah and and it's not like this hard thing to do like necessarily he's not giving us this this hard law of like here do this and then you'll be all good it's like rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You're like, oh, okay, right? And like that word and joy is used like over 16 times in this epistle. So obviously we need to perk up and pay attention, right? It's important enough to consider. Um, this makes me think of things that make me happy, right? Like I'm like, oh, man, what things make me happy? Like dozen hot wings from long longs, right? Straight up. <laughs> then you throw down from Marsha's long on the south side. Now I'm really excited, Right, like, or I got my homemade salsa, I got my Doritos, right? Like, all of a sudden the bag's gone, you're like, who ate all my Doritos? It was you, right? Like, you guys know what I'm talking about. Like, that makes you happy. Like, that makes me happy. Like, that's the common theme in my life, food. But. The Lord like says those things are fleeting and this is not what he's talking about when he says, rejoice always, oh, not in those things, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get hungry again. Yes. I'm gonna get the craving again for yes. chicken wings like every day, right like <laughs> And Psalm 145, he reminds us, Lord, you open your hand Amen. and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. Amen. So in his right hand, all pleasures Amen. exist. Yes. And that's where we go to uh, remember what we're rejoicing at. Now we're looking at the Lord. So now we know what we're looking at when we're rejoicing. And he says, always, Mm. always, Wayne, because there is always a reason to Mm. rejoice in the Lord. Right? His grace is never ending. He's never changing. His love abounds forever. And he's seated on the throne of heaven, and then he hears our prayers. Like, There's always a reason to be rejoicing in the Lord. Something that should make us rejoice is grace, right? Uh, Not the like counterfeit fake kind of grace uh, that I want to be this happy Christian and everybody knows me as this happy Christian who's rejoicing. No, it's not like an attitude change. It's a belief that informs your attitude, what you believe. So if I remember that I believe in the grace of God, like Mm -hmm. I believe that when I read Revelation 21, 27, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anybody who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Like I do detestable things. I can be false. Like I'm unclean. Like, Lord, help me. No, I get to rejoice because I remember that I believe in John 3.16 that says, For God so loved the world, he gave me his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So, again, let's rejoice. The grace of God, he's so good. And, again, he repeats himself always. Okay, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, Mm. even in the midst of distress. He doesn't say rejoice only when the circumstance fix it and everything's right. going great, right? He didn't make the exception for that, for the tough time. No, he's saying happiness is fleeting, but joy stays forever. So it's not about the looking the part; it's about having an a- actual like anchor of joy mm-hmm. that cannot be moved by any circumstance. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me of a distressing time in my life, right. which was like within a t- month time span. Uh, my, my son was getting bullied. My daughter was having seizures and eating issues. My brother, who was an addict, uh, stole from my house. The air conditioner in our house was broken. Our car was broke. We got behind on bills. Like, we're dealing with our daughter being traumatized. And then, then if all of that wasn't enough, like, my sister was trapped in a house fire and almost died. Man. Okay? Um, somehow... All these darts just, Mm. like, I'm going to take your joy. Like, no, you ain't. Because Mm -hmm. this is changing, but he ain't. He doesn't ever change. You know what I mean? So somehow, I have this peace. And I have this soft smile that I don't know where it came from. And my mood is patient. And I just have this trust that, Lord, Mm. I don't know a lot of things. I don't know all the whys. I don't know all the hells. But I know you. And I know that you're going to take care of this. Right? And... And just like praise report, looking back on that, like my son stopped getting bullied. My daughter stopped having seizures and can swallow properly food now. My brother is clean and sober. Uh, Our air conditioning got fixed. Our car got fixed. We got caught up on our bills. My daughter is healing. Uh And my sister didn't die. Okay? She's alive. She didn't die. God's mercy is new every day. We get to rejoice every day
0: amen amen and this is what he's talking about as he continues to go on to verse five right and he says let your reasonableness be known to everyone the lord is at hand now when he says the lord is at hand right now that phrase right there is a hinge verse between verses five and six because in verse five he says let your reasonableness be known to everyone period but before he's Verse six starts the words "the Lord is at hand" is placed there. Then a semicolon, and then the the rest of verse six comes because it's a hinge verse between the two verses. The Lord is at hand, right now. This is reminiscent to to John the Baptist um getting ready because Jesus's ministry is about to start, and John the Baptist is he's out and he's preaching to everybody. He means like repent. The kingdom of God is at hand, right? And when he's saying the kingdom of God is at hand, he's saying it's right here in grasping distance. It's right here. It's money in hand. It's here. It's here. So when he says the Lord is at hand, he's saying the Lord is here. Oh, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is here. He's right here with us. I start to think about on the verse when it says, when two or three are gathered together, uh, here I am in the midst. And that's Jesus. He's talking to this two or three, right, because it had to be like two or three people could make a bear witness against somebody else. But he's reminding these two or three, like, it's not just y'all. I'm here, too. I'm here in the midst of you guys. What does it look like to to, to consider that reality, that that, that in the midst of this conflict, you're not there by yourself, right? So he says, so let your reasonableness be known uh, to everyone, right? Now, the Greek word for reasonableness here that's being translated also means gentleness or or forbearing, right? Now, this gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. That's because the Lord is here. Because the Lord is here, this gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit, right? It's it's not just that God is in the midst. He's all around us or he's up inside the sky. It's that God is literally living inside of you and literally living inside of your brother and your sister that you got a beef with. What does it look like to to act like that's a reality and acknowledge that and how we, we reconcile with one another? As a matter of fact, In another scripture, Paul says, when we have to even confront one another, you do this in the spirit of gentleness. Why? This is a leaning and trusting on the spirit of God because the Lord is here. Basically, he's saying, let the spirit of God be known to everyone to how you respond and live in the midst of tension amongst one another. He's, He's talking to them about how to live into this thing like God is actually in it with you.
1: Mm, amen. And that same hinge verse is then used uh, before 6, right? So the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, mm-hmm. but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. So in Matthew 6:25, 34, it's too long to read right now, but I really urge you to go read that on your own time because that's where Jesus really digs into that to the subject of anxiety. Like he lays it all out and elaborates for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? I need not worry about anything, food, clothing, because my God provides, right? Right. And so when I pray and I ask for what I need, I'm thankful for what I got today, right? So today you have breath. Today, you have bread to eat. Yes. Today, you have an advocate in heaven. Amen. So those are the things that we need to, like, switch our our our, our focus on. And, like, Lord, he's encouraging us to pray. And yes. with thankfulness, like, yes. like if you ever just looking at your bank account and it don't match up with your bills, right? And you just think, Lord, what am I going to do? Oh, yes. But instead of panicking, right, we remember this verse and we're like, dang, God, just because the numbers change in there, you don't. You have been faithful every single time, Amen. and you're going to continue yes, to be are. faithful every single time. Oh, but see, the thing that we do often is, like, we take our problem, right? Like, it's my problem. I'll pick it up. Oh, there's it is. And then it it is again. Nope, just picking up my problem. And, like, all of a sudden, I just don't even put it down. I'm just looking at my problem. And now I can't see any of you guys, right? Now I can't see Jesus because uh-huh. all I can see is my problem, Right? But when we remember that the Lord is at hand, uh-huh. that he is near, yes. that he is here, right. so, so now I'm like, oh, I can talk to him. Yes. I can pray to him. Yes. I can ask him to provide. I can put this down yes. and talk to him, right? So, so when our problems become our primary focus, that eclipses the view of God. Yes. But we get hurt in the process, yes. and we hurt others, yes. like, in that process. Yes. Paul is telling this because he, he loves this church, right? He loves these people, and he's saying it like, hey, you can pray about that. Mm-hmm. You can stop. You can lay that at Jesus' feet, mm-hmm. and you can be thankful. He's not over-exaggerating. No, he's not. sitting in jail suffering for preaching the gospel. No. In no way is he over-exaggerating. He is just expressing his love to his family, like telling them you don't have to be anxious, you know, in everything you can pray. And I don't know, like, who else has heard about this, but there's a thing called sheep worrying. It's a real thing around the world, like, in farms, where sheep worry to the point of death, okay? Like, in hundreds, like, in herds. They see a dog, and the dog doesn't even attack them, but just the thought that the dog might attack them, like, rushes them into, like, a fence, and they die. Uh, They die from, like, cardiac arrest, from just the stress and the fear. Like, dude, that's what anxiety can do to us? Like, that's... That's the heart of Paul when he's saying this, like as a shepherd to his flock. Like, yeah, yes, like yes. don't hurt yourself. Like, don't worry to the point of death. Don't hurt others, and that's all they can see is your problem because that's all you're looking at. Mm. Like, look at Jesus. Look up. And when we do that, we start to calm down. Yes, yes. We start to be thankful because we yes. remember he is my helper. He has never forsaken come on, me. Come on, come and on. that's that's the God that never. we're looking up to, not some God that's distant, like, he's my helper. Never,
0: never. Yeah. And, hallelujah. And Paul is talking to them, and Paul is, is, is he's saying, you get the verse 7, he's saying, once you start living into this reality, you start trusting God like this, right? This is what happens and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. It's, it's, it's beautiful. He calls these, these, these ladies out, but he doesn't give them an answer to their argument, right? He doesn't say, hey... Here's the person that's wrong and here's the person that's right. He, he, he avoids that altogether and instead challenges them to agree in the Lord, right? Challenges them to, to live into the reality that he is with them. Challenges us to live into the reality that he is with us now, Right. Right now. Right. A lot of times people are just expect- expecting and waiting for somebody to, to, to point out, well, who's the real person that's right? Tell me who's the person that's wrong. And instead, what Paul is doing, here, he points out how the Lord is right here. He's at hand. He's right here with us. So agree in the Lord. Right. That's your place. And this takes humility on both sides, on all sides. Somebody's going to have to let go of something because the Lord is bigger than everything, right? Right, right, right. So he points it over there. He's encouraging them in their spiritual maturity. He wants them to be mature believers in the Lord, right? So he calls them to live into this reality. And when you start to live into this reality, here's what happens. The peace of God. The peace of God, right? He's not talking about circumstantial peace, like I'm chilling on the beach and the butterfly comes and a cool breeze and I have a martini right here, you know, and so much peace. Like that may be real peaceful, right? But that's not what he's talking about, right? No, no, no. He's talking about that, that, that. Holy Spirit peace that's undefined by circumstances. Hallelujah. I I know that all hell seems to be breaking loose, right? But there's this peace, right? And and it belongs to God, not you. Not the peace of Wayne. No, no, no. The peace of God, right? It's his peace. He owns it and lives in you. Right? That's the thing to grab onto. Right? So it's about resting in God's control over your own control, regardless of the circumstances. Right? Now, at that point, when I can rest in, my God is in control regardless of things, regardless of how it looks, regardless of how it feels. Now, this is that peace that surpasses all understanding. It goes beyond what makes sense to you. I know I added everything up, and it's supposed to look like this, and it's not looking like that, right? It goes past what makes sense to you, and it covers what you don't know, because believe it or not, you don't know everything, right? Reality check, like there's a lot you don't know, right? I know most things, but it's a lot y'all don't know, right? (laughs) Don't tell my wife that, though, but um. But it covers what you don't know and extends beyond what you think you know. Because in arrogance, we 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 think we know what's best. Like we, we like we're we're all seeing and like we're we're omnipresent, right? And like we're all powerful, like 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 in your math, but your math fails, right? So even if you don't understand how things will turn out, you can have peace because. I don't have to be in control here, right? My God is in control. Even when I think things should go like this, and probably it should go like that, and it's not going like that. I don't have to be in control. I can rest in his peace. I can rest in the peace of God. This peace is literally God himself. It's literally God himself. So it's a fruit of the spirit. It's a fruit of the spirit. And when we are able to, rest in the Holy Spirit. When we're able to rest in the Holy Spirit, he says he will guard your hearts and your minds. This word here is garrisons. It's, it's, the, the, the image here is a, it's like a, a security guard that's strapped down that's guarding your heart and guarding your mind. Hallelujah. 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 God himself standing guard over your mind, over your heart. Now it is times where God tells you to guard your heart, but right here Paul is saying if you live inside of this, God himself will guard your heart. God himself will guard your mind. Hallelujah. He becomes our covering and protecting us from, from the darts of the enemy that want to cause division and destruction and, and rip things apart. He becomes our covering. Hallelujah. You see, Hallelujah. The enemy's primary tactic is to tempt us to leave from in the Lord. That's his deal. That's the deal. Get his hooks in and get us to leave from in the Lord. Leave from the safety of his covering. Uh, To leave from the safety of his covering and try to be our own covering. Try to be our own protection. Start relying on our own tactics and then we wind up exposed to the weapons of the enemy's warfare. That's what he wants us to do and Paul is trying to protect his sheep. Like the enemy is out there. This is what he wants us to do. He wants us to leave from resting in the control of our God and try to control things ourselves. And we have wind up exposed to the enemy. This is where the covering is at. That's why he, he goes about it several times and he says, in the Lord, in the Lord is is, 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 is is the place of agreement. In the Lord is the place of rejoicing. Why? Because in the Lord is where the guarding and the protection happens. And cats getting their butts whipped outside of the Lord. I'm like, Lord, what's going on? And Lord is like, I'm right here. Come. The band can come up now. Listen, I want this to hit home. I don't want us to just hear this and just give a bunch of yeses and amens. I want us to meditate on these things, right, to live into this. So here's some signs that we may not be resting in his covering. I want us to to, to contemplate these things. and, And if this hits home to you, just be real about it and come to the Lord. Here's some signs we struggle to have joy, so we find it difficult to rejoice If you only knew what I've been through this week, if you only knew how that person treated me, if you only knew how this went wrong, if you only knew who was knocking on my door, if you only knew, you would understand why I don't want to rejoice right now. I I, I sort of feel like if I rejoice, I'm betraying the reality that things are broken. I'm being inauthentic here. If you only know, how can I rejoice with everything that's going on? So, it's increasingly hard for others to see the Spirit of God displayed through your gentleness or reasonableness when things aren't going the way that you think they should. I'm not saying whether or not they should be going like that. They're not. And now it's hard to see the Lord through you. What people see more is, our reaction to the unfavorable circumstances, not our submission to the Spirit. Three, fear and anxiety starts choking out thankfulness. You find yourself talking more and more about what you don't like and your associated fears of what might happen than what you're thankful for. There's so much that's all around you to be thankful for. I mean, and those things get no acknowledgement. And, 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 and talking about how good the Lord has been to you and is in this exact moment hardly happens because all you're talking about is everything that's jacked up. And all oh, the good that God is doing, you don't even praise him for it. Somebody else is getting praise. It ain't the Lord. Four. You can only have peace and rest if things go the way that you think they should go, which isn't peace at all. That's, that's counterfeit peace. That's peace that is centered around me, my thought patterns. It's the peace of God, not the peace of you, not the peace of me. But it's God's peace that's, that's, that's resting inside of me because he's living inside of me. And I'm resting inside of him. Has nothing to do with situations and circumstances. Listen, as the band plays, I want to set us up for, for communion, right? I want to set us up for communion. Then Melissa will pray for us, and then the tables will be open. But it's Jesus, right? It's Jesus. This morning, it's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one that that invites us to be a part of his eternal family. That invites us to live into the reality of this eternal family. Oh, he's talking to them back then, but he's talking to us right now. Be a part of the family and consider the realities of this family. It's Jesus who... Invites us to be true companions with him. True co-laborers in the gospel. Not not this, this, this surface level, inauthentic relationship, but true companions that go past the, the surface and really get to know each other and live and work together in the gospel for his glory. A family of co-laborers on mission together. Agreements that are rooted in him. Not any external circumstances, they're rooted in him. We get, we're coming back to this pillar over and over and over again. He wins. And to that end, he offers up himself. That's what communion is about. He offers up his body, represented by the bread. It's for you. We fam, right? It's for you. You're in me, and I'm in you. He offers up his blood, represented by the juice. It's, it's about the family. So this morning, this is a call for us to live into the realities of the family. And probably, you're like, man, I'm not a part of the fam. I've been standing on the sidelines, but I really want to be a part of the fam. I'm saying, meet me over here. I want to talk with you. I want to pray with you. I want you to be a part of the family. We want you to be a part of the family. This eternal kingdom. So listen, Melissa is going to pray. And as soon as she's done praying, the tables are open. Meditate on the word of God. Meditate on what the Lord is calling you out on. If you need prayer, cats will be over here to pray with you. Let's break bread and then let's worship our great king together.
1: Father God. Lord, we thank you, God, for the message today, God. Lord, we pray, Jesus, that you would soften the hearts of every heart in here, God, that conviction would reach at a heart level, Lord, that we would have the gift of repentance, God, to just receive your grace today, God. God, that we wouldn't just be hearers of the words, Lord, but that we would be doers of the word, Lord. That if there's anybody in this room, God, right now that has bitterness, God, or or is in disagreement, or just dropped something and tried to avoid it a long time ago, God. God, I pray that you would bring unity to that relationship, God. God, I pray that you would bring peace to that relationship, Lord. God, that your spirit and in your power, God, that relationships would be healed and bonded, God. And, Lord, I pray that we would be a church, God, that has their eyes on you, Lord, that has their eyes on eternity, God, and that anything that has to offer here in the world, God, would never be enough, God, that we would fill the hunger, God, that we would fill, God, something more, that we know we need you every day. God, I pray that we would be known as co-laborers in the gospel, Lord, that when people look at alhambra God, that they would they would hear and they would taste and they would see, God, that you are good, Lord, And, God, that that would lead them to rejoicing, God, that that we would have every reason to rejoice in you, Lord. Lord, we love you, God. And, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your beautiful word that's just so perfect and unending, God. We thank you. We pray these things.